welcome to the Diabolical Film Show, a podcast about old films, new films, and the people who make them. My name is Ash, and with me I have my old mate Richie. Hello, mate. How's it going? Oh, tickety boo, tickety boo. Can't say I'm blue. Hey. <laughs> See what you did See there. See what I did there. On topic straight away. I haven't even planned that. That just came out. That was just pure dried gold right there. What? Well, you could almost say it came out of the blue. That's it, is it? Okay, if you haven't already guessed by the picture on the show notes, uh, yes, we're going to be talking about Avatar dum, 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 dum. and the follow-up, Avatar The Way of Water. Mm. So Avatar, if you didn't know what, what it's about, is uh, a film that came out in 2009, directed by James Cameron, written by James Cameron, starring Sam Withington, Zoe Saldana, Sigourney Weaver, Stephen Lang, Michelle Rodriguez, and a bunch of other folk. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, there's a lot. We could just keep going on, but they're, they're kind of the main one. Giovanni uh, Ribisi is in it as well. He's pretty good in it as well. And it's essentially about, oh God, here we go. It's essentially about humans have expanded out into the universe. They've come across a planet called Pandora, or it's a moon. Um, and they go, they go into, go onto the planet and they are mining the planet for something called unobtainium. Yeah. What? I mean, let's just fucking start there. You lazy fucking writer, Cameron. Unobtainium. Really? Is that meant to be a joke? Is it funny? It's not funny, is it? Well, no, it's it's unobtainium, isn't it? It's uh, You do know that that unobtainium has appeared in a film called The Core. No, I didn't know that. There you go. Yes, yes, yes. They needed unobtainium to, um, oh, make their the drilling machine that drills into the centre of, of, of the Earth. They needed unobtainium. Well, it should have gone to Pandora. <laughs> and the, the actual story, so obviously you've got the humans coming down, but they've got an indigenous life there, life form there, and essentially what they do is the Navi, and they create, they grow these cloned versions of the Navi with five fingers and not the three, with four fingers and a thumb, and not the three fingers and, and a thumb, for some random reason, which well. obviously comes to play in the second film, not in the first film. Um to kind of integrate themselves with the Navi and help them move whilst they drill under their sacred tree. Essentially, that's it. <sighs> Christ it, almighty. What, what? Let, let's, let's, start, let's start with the story. Well, we're talking about the story. Let's start with the story. If you know Fern Gully, if you know Pocahontas, if you know Dances with Wolves, you've seen this movie. You're not wrong. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But what you've got to distinguish is, if you talk about Avatar, then you're talking about the effects. It's very hard no, to distinguish. No, no, we're talking about story here. We're talking about story first. We'll get on to the effects. We'll get on to the effects. But it's very hard to distinguish the two. Well, that says a lot about the story then, doesn't it? Because that means the story's pretty it's, it's, shit. It's very hard, though. It is very hard, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's not well written. It isn't. I mean, it got good reviews. It got reasonable reviews. But, again, I think they were talking about the tech side of it. They were wowed about the tech side yes, of it. Yes, that's what I mean. You've... I went back. I, I mean, bear in mind, this, this was... This was the, we'll talk about Avatar first. We'll come on to the way of water in the, um, halfway through. But um, Avatar was in 2009. So I watched this again the other day, okay? I watched this again the other day and uh, for the podcast. I knew that I was going to watch the way of water as well. And the effects, on the whole, on the whole were pretty good. Even now, mm. 
Now, talk, you, you go back to 2009, and if you t look at a computer-generated effect from 2009 now, it would look shoddy as hell. But no, Weta, Weta Digital, who, who are the people who created these with James Cameron, who I think are, this could be sacrilege, but I think are, are better than Industrial Light and Magic at this point in time. Rich is pulling a funny face here. No, 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 no. I, too, watched Avatar in preparation for this. And on the whole, yet yeah, I find the cinematography and the effects were okay. There are a few ropey ones. Yeah, the opening shot. Now, we're going to come on to the 3D aspect of this film. We haven't forgot that these are in fucking 3D, all right? We haven't forgot that. We're going to come on to the 3D in a bit. Let's talk about the films as a, as a whole, first off, before we get to the 3D question. But the opening, the very, very first opening shot is a bit ropey. And if that's what you're trying to sell, this new technology, 3D technology and all the rest of it, and this new kind of immense kind of landscape, that when it's going over the trees, it looked a bit like a PS, uh, a PlayStation, yeah. Xbox game. It really did. It was that bad. However, <laughs> when they land it, when you go past that, it's just the first few. I don't know if they had a, a different company doing the first the first bit or what. They, they reckon they needed something else. It just wasn't up to scratch. But when they got into the forest oh. and they got with amongst the tech, it's good. It's good. Um, it it looked amazing. But the even now it looked amazing. I know Weta did the effects and what have you. But if you look further back to Weta's earlier work, which, I mean, the groundbreaking stuff that they did with the Lord of the Rings and the Gollum character, which, which essentially is, is that transposed to Avatar. But what they added in Avatar was the, the interaction with the surroundings. That's the difference. That's the, the, the new tech, so to speak. They, they did it in Lord of the Rings. Mm. And if you're watching, you're watching Lord of the Rings films with Gollum, even now, and that's what twenty years old. It is amazing what they did. It is. It's starting. That there are some parts of, those, and I love those films. I love the Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit films aren't not so much, but the, the Lord of the Rings films. We'll probably do those in a podcast. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we say that about a lot of things. We've got a lot of podcasts coming up. <laughs> they are starting to look a little bit creaky in places, and. I'd say Avatar has, li has lived up a, a lot better than that. The high-def digital kind of stuff. I mean, I was watching on a decent TV, obviously, at, at home, and it, it still looks good. Like I said, there are some shots are just really hokey, but the biggest problem I've got is the story. James Cameron's kind of... He tells. Yeah. And he does it by really clunky and exposition. it's a bit on the nose. But his, his, his message, it's obviously, you know, save the planet. It's it's that kind of environmentalist kind of thing he's trying to say, and it is on the nose. There's no subtlety. No, when when Sigourney Weaver first gets introduced, she has got some of the worst, clunkiest, lazy exposition of story, just to get the point across. And it's just, and it, it happens again in the second film, even more so in the second. Film. It's shocking the beginning of the second film for exposition. Oh, it's awful. You're a master director. You're up there with 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 the best of them, but your storytelling is sometimes or writing is bloody awful. But he can put a good 
action sequence together. <laughs> and that's, he does know how to direct. Well, yeah. he, and he knows how to direct action extremely well, whether it be mixing the live action and the digital. It, it works incredibly well. And it looks absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, when, when, that, when their kind of hovercraft, not hovercraft, their gunships, gunships land on, on and all, all of the, because um, they've, they've got like propellers and all, all of the yeah, glass is flailing around. It looks, even yeah. now, yeah, it's even good. now, it looks phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. It is. It is. The physics engine that Weta are using to create that is absolutely bob on. It's like what you said earlier, though. It's it's window dressing overtakes the story. Yeah, I mean it. It does in the it does in the first one because people were just astounded, and probably the second one as well. But we'll come on to that in a minute. We were just astounded with mm. what he'd created and what he'd done. And yes, it deserves every technical accolade you can throw at it initially. I do remember um, I'm going back to like 1997 now. Remember internet cafes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, before we all had the internet in our houses. I remember being in one in Lincoln, 1997. And I was on I think I drifted on to Empire. Empire had a the, the film magazine had a bit of a web presence and I was reading Empire. And I thought, oh, oh, this this thing called Avatar, and I went onto the website, and there was a bit of a blog with one of the guys who was working on the tech side of Avatar, and he said, "You'll never ever, you won't believe what we're doing. It's this is stuff that's never been done before, ever." I said, "I can't, I can't put it into words." What we're what we're doing now, what we're concocting, what we're inventing, because at the moment there is no words. You will not believe what we're doing. And I'm reading this. I'm like, I I, I would agree. There are no words. And when Cameron was writing the script, clearly that was the case <laughs> because there were not enough words to describe the clunky bullshit that he comes out with when he's doing his exposition. Come on, man. Show, don't tell. Show, don't tell. It's as simple as that. You're better than that. Now, I look back at it, and it, some of the scenes still look, still stand up and look amazing. The diversity of the creatures in the forest and all, all that stuff. And I think they, they outdo themselves again in the second film in, in, in that respect. I think the diversity of the biological life um, in the ecosystem that they're building water is amazing. But it is starting, I would say, to starting to look like a high-end computer game a little bit now. Um, Avatar, not the second one, not the second one, but Avatar. Mm. And the biggest problem I had, and this actually came, we might as well talk about the elephant in the room, this actually came about with the 3D aspect of it. The integration of the live action and some of the live action and some of the CGI elements just it's just jarred slightly um, in some, some of the scenes. Not all of the scenes, but some, some of the scenes. Now, I've not seen these films in 3D. And you haven't I, either of them. No, I haven't. No, no. I've seen 3D films, but I've not seen these in 3D. And I don't want to because I, I don't want that. What you've just said there, I don't. I don't want to be taken out of the the picture. And in the first film, for me, it really did. It took me right out of it because essentially at that point, James Cameron. I am really sorry. I know you. You it reintroduced 3D and you thought you'd done the job right, but you hadn't. It still looked like a 
two-dimensional planed pop-ups essentially on this plane we've got we've got the 3d here and the next plane uh, a few feet back a few meters back you've got the, the next plane a mm. pop-up then the next plane a pop-up then the next plane a pop-up it still it made it look flat it did not all coherently come together and it pulled me right out of the movie and i really i wouldn't say disliked it but i just thought that was what is all the hype about the story wasn't there for a start the story was just you average see, that's that's what I don't want. When I go to the cinema, I want to be in the zone. I don't want to be, you know, looking, oh, oh, and taken out of it. So I, I've i watched these in 2D. Well, like I said, the first time I watched it, I was like, meh, is essentially how I came out of it. I thought, yeah, okay. It looked amazing, yeah? Mm, yeah. The, the 3D didn't work at all. For me, it didn't work at all. I was like, oh, it looks so great. You know, It, it, it doesn't. It, it looks great compared to what else has been out there, but it wasn't. It doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't draw you in. You're looking at the 3D. You're not looking at the story. It's about the story. Yeah. It's about the film. It's not about the technical wizardry of what you're doing. But when I watched it again recently, I watched it in 2D because it's on my TV. Although it does have 3D TV, but I don't use it, obviously, because it's crap. I watched it in 2D, and I enjoyed it more. The clunky exposition's still there. It's still looking pretty good, like I said. Yeah, it does look good. Uh, especially, that, uh, like I said, the flight sequences and all of that, and the light elements through the forest look absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. And even on Sam Worthington's legs, because Sam Worthington is a replacement for his brother in the film, not not in real life, in the in, in the story. So he comes into it late, and he's disabled essentially, can't use his legs, which is why he's great to have to be an avatar. That's the 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 cloned version of of the, the Navu. He he then embodies it himself in that, and even that was a little bit clunky. Where, where they plug him in type, type of thing and they get, you go into the Matrix and yeah. it's a back, big tunnel of light. Oh, come on. Could we have not done something a bit more imaginative with a big tunnel of light, really? So we've done the director. We've done the writing. Music. James Horner. Love it. I love James Horner. It's an old school score. This is what this is, especially re-listening to it. We're so used to these days, more soundscapey. Like your terminology, yes. Yeah, that's, that's, mm. yeah. It's, there's a lot of other elements. It's not just your straight, you know, brass section, string section, and percussion, and so on and so forth. It's it's all all sorts of stuff coming into it, and that's what Zimmer does, um, and a multitude of others. But yeah, so in the first one, yeah, it's the mighty James Horner, and it works. You know, James it, Horner. Yeah, it's it is old school. It is old school, and it's a different. Obviously, in the second film, yeah, the music was composed by uh, Simon Frang Franklin in the Franklin. second. On the second one, yeah, yeah, he still used a few themes, but but yeah. used elements from the first one and kept it quite similar. Yeah. In fact, so again, it was quite an old-fashioned score, really. I do own this on vinyl. Of course, you do. Which is you'll probably find surprising, or maybe not. This is my lack of surprise face. <laughs> I do like Jane. I mean, he did Arthur Khan. That's it. He, he he could have only have done that and this. I'll be very happy. But he's done. Other stuff as well. Um, Apollo 13 did Aliens, Willow, The Rocketeer, criminal, criminal, underrated, underrated. That's a, that's the word, underrated, criminally. So yeah, James Horner, love him to bits. And cinematography, Mario Fiore, probably Fiore. Yeah, he's he's done, he's done a bit. To be fair, he's done the island and um, he's done Training yeah. Day, which is a great film. Um, the Kingdom, which is pretty good film as well. You know, real steel, <laughs> real steel. Now, yeah. that, 
I was shocked when I found Real Steel. That is another one underrated film. That is brilliant. Yeah, I've seen it a few times. I, I do love Real Steel. It, it's, mm. a, it's a nice kind of father-son kind of story. It's it's great. It's it's, it's really it's really a lovely story. Um, and it's and it's done really well. And that's that's how you do robots fighting properly. And so you can actually see what's going on. To anyone watching any Transformers films. So the cinematography, yeah, well, I mean the cinematography obviously is gonna be majorly influenced by Cameron well, yeah, um yeah. And, yeah. and the direction. He's one of those all consuming um, directors, isn't he? You like him when you don't. When when you're working with him apparently, he's quite hard. When you when you work when you're on a Cameron film, he expects hundred and ten percent. 200% of the time. 26 hours of yeah. the day, <laughs> essentially. 367 days of the year. You know, it's you step up to him. He doesn't come down to you. You go to him. And the actors as, as well, when they're on a Cameron film, they're on a Cameron film. He doesn't just push the tech. He'll push everybody. He'll push the actors. He'll push your cinematography. He'll push the mute. He'll, he'll push everything. You push everything, and then as I read a an interview, you know they'll push until it breaks, and then they'll go back a step. Yeah, just before it breaks, and then they'll figure out well why did it break? Let's let's push it and not break it. You know he's he pushes and pushes, and he'll push the actors. You know, make your boy in um, the abyss. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to bring up the yeah. abyss when we get to the next film. <laughs> Way of Water. So, yeah, Ed Harris. Ed Harris, yeah. And is it Mary Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio as well, as well wasn't it, in there? Um, yeah, they both disliked working with Cameron on that film because they pushed he him pushes, so hard. Yeah, it's, um, and it's his bit. I mean, he, he pushes Spielberg and Lucas. They push tech. They push the tech and Robert Zemeckis. Well, Cameron, do, Cam, Cameron does as well, to be fair. Yeah, the, the, yeah, he pushes tech. But what... They don't do what Cameron does. He'll push the actors. They'll push tech, but he pushes tech and yeah, everyone who works yeah. around. I think him. he's a harder he's a harder yeah. taskmaster into that than than the others. Very much so. And it's he's known to be a harder taskmaster as well on all of his a lot of his films. Yeah, uh, if not all of them, to be completely honest. But when you're dealing with someone who watches when he was filming The Abyss, when he's stuck in a decompression chamber and he's watching the dailies. Whilst he's decompressing, you know what I mean. He, he he's not just doing it for the sake of doing it. He he pushes himself, you know. So no, he does. This is the thing, and this is why no one can come back at him on his sets. Yeah, because he's the first one there, and he's the last one to leave every single day. So no one can no. say anything. You can't you no. can't have a go at him by pushing too hard because he's pushing himself yeah. further than you will ever push yourself. But that's not to say you know people have a limit. And yeah, he'll fucking brush past that. Yeah, and clearly it works for some some mm. actors, and it doesn't for others. And the, the, those that it it does work for, they come back on other films, <laughs> like Sigourney Weaver. Well, I think Sigourney Weaver's worked with him three times. You know, it? and obviously Arnold Arnold um, Schwarzenegger gets on well with him. So they, they've got a very similar work ethic, I believe. Though it works for some, not for others. So Avatar, then Avatar, <laughs> it's okay. I enjoyed it. Without the 3D. I enjoyed it without the yeah. 3D more than I did with the 3D because you're taking away the element, the 3D element, which for me did not work in the first film. I I think the 3D has yet to find its home. There's 
it's been pushed as the next best, you know, the next thing. But we're not ready for it yet. Well, we're not ready for it because, well, for a number of reasons, Richie. Um, well, well, let's talk about the 3D aspect because he's going to pull us straight into into the next film. So the three, the problem we're not we're not ready for it is you have to put some glasses on. Now I wear glasses. Um, I think you should wear glasses, but um, who said that? <laughs> I don't. I, I've got no words, Richie. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. So you have to put glasses over glasses. That's one annoyance. The other, and this is, I can get past that slightly, but the other annoyance is, and there's a there's a there's a, a, a another note I'll make after this as well. But the the biggest annoyance is that the glasses darken the film. Mm. Now, if I'm watching a film which these animators have taken tens of thousands of hours to animate, and then it has it's going to be dumbed dulled down because you're wearing these blooming glasses to make it three D. Yeah, that is yeah. just a crime. You got all this beautiful kind of textures and all this beautiful animation that you've created, and then let's just make it all darker. Yeah, let's all make it darker, and some of it out of focus because the 3D isn't quite working properly. So, in some scenes, it looks 3D. In other scenes, it looks like a two. Mostly in most scenes, it looks like a 2D pop up. Lots of 2D pop ups, and then in other scenes, they haven't quite gelled it together, and you get the double exposure, even though you're looking at it through the through the glasses. So what you're saying is they need to less tech side, more delivery. Work on the delivery. Well, there is there is a a screen out there a tv screen at the moment it's not a cinema screen it, it'll get there eventually i'm sure there is a tv screen which points its pixels at both of your eyes in different ways so it will look 3d even though without the glasses wow well wow yeah, yeah yes indeed so that you're taking away the fact that you have to wear glasses because it, it works a different now obviously it's in cinemas it's not pixels it's projected so it doesn't work it can't work in a cinema as it stands at the moment but the future well, is getting. The future is getting there. I'll wager that someone. Well, you've got it now, haven't you? When you drive into your cities, you've got the big screens now. They don't have posters. It's video walls. Yeah, yeah. So who's who's to say someone somewhere? Well, you can get tech in. There's tech in cars as well. So there's tech. In, there's a. You know, you get the sat nav built into cars these days. The big screen in the middle in the middle of the dashboard. Mm-hmm. There's tech out there now. I can't remember which. I might be Audi. I'm not 100 percent sure. I can't remember now. If you're in the driver's seat, you're looking at the sat nav, and you can hear the sat nav coming through. If you're in the passenger seat, you can watch a film. Ah, I see. On the yeah. same tech, because the the pixels are pointing again in, the, in a different direction. Mm. Um, you have to have the headphones on, obviously, but essentially two screens in, mm. built into one. That is incredibly that, amazing. That will probably be the game changer, which will probably make these films work. The other problem I've I've got with the the, the minor problem you've got with three um, D is with cinemas. Now they're going to work better in IMAX. I, I'm not a fan of IMAX, but in for three D, because if you're looking at a, a screen and you're watching it in 3D, no, you- and you can see the edges of the screen, it ruins it. It ruins the illusion, and it just looks like a, a gimmick, essentially. It looks a bit shit. If you sit close enough to the screen where... You can't see the edges, it will it works. You, you can maybe see the edges in, in the peripheral, but you can't see them properly, then it works. Now, I watched both of these at the cinema in 3D. I watched um, The Way of Water just yesterday. Up until this point, I've hated 3D. It hasn't worked, full stop. The, the best film I've seen in 3D up to this point was Dread. 
and I hated the fact mm. it was in 3D. I hated the fact that they only released it in 3D. Now, I want to talk about Dread in another podcast because there was so much talk about Dread and Judge Dread. We'll, we'll probably lump the two of them together. Another podcast. Another <laughs> podcast. Just keep right. We read to write these down or we re listen to what we're talking about. Now, the 3D worked in there for different reasons, but I watched The Way of Water and I tried, tried desperately to find a 2D and now because of because of all the commitments I, cu I couldn't watch it when it was first released so I, I, it's on the tail end now of it it's on its way out of the cinemas so I struggled to find a 2D showing of it so I had to watch it in 3D and I didn't want to watch it in 3D for all of the reasons I just mm. said the 2D yeah. pop-up and all the rest of it because it, it still looked flat 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 however in the way of water it didn't look flat it didn't look like 2D pop-ups and the 3D, it was implemented 85%. Wow, so they've, it's getting better, the tech's getting better. However they've done it, I don't know how they've done it. I don't, I don't know what the change is, what, what they've done. I, I probably won't understand yeah. it if they tried to tell me. But um, it doesn't matter. The 3D it is now proper 3D. Okay. Yeah, there's there there some conditions around this on. So there's the general 3D is that the elements look 3D. Right in a 3D environment. They don't look like flat pieces of film in, in a kind of 2D kind of pop-up oh, right. kind of way. They okay. all look 3D. The the underwater sequences, I mean, specifically, obviously, I mean, you get about half an hour of them just fucking swimming around underwater yeah. for fuck's sake for no reason whatsoever because they're literally just showing off. Um, that is all that is about. This film is three hours, ten minutes long. You could cut an hour off this film and still you just have the same film. Yeah, and when I say the same film, it is the same film as the first <laughs> fucking film. The story is exactly the same as the first film, James Cameron, and in the first 20 minutes, you have more exposition in that than the entire Godfather put together. They show, don't tell. In this, you just tell, 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 tell. You have a bloody talking... Um, Voiceover, yeah. yeah. Oh, come on. It is lazy, lazy filmmaking. The film is exactly the same as the first film. There are elements in this which are just taken flat out from Titanic and the Abyss. I felt sorry for some of those actors. Yeah. Um, because having heard of the story, this is what I was going to talk to about the Abyss. Having where they're releasing hundreds of gallons worth of water onto the actors, onto the stunts and the stunt people. And then you see, you watch The Way of Water and you know some of them are physical elements and some of them aren't physical elements. But you know you know what he's like. He will release well, hundreds, tens of thousands of gallons of water on people and they're going to get knocked flying. You know that all the actors were underwater. You know that they've learned to hold their breath in some cases, over seven minutes. Kate Winslet, seven minutes plus, holding her breath underwater, and and they're acting. I, I know he's trying to push tech, but and he's getting the actors underwater, and he's filming them underwater, and it, it pays off, because the underwater sequences are absolutely phenomenal. This is the first, truly first film, I can say, that, forget the 3D part of it, but the actual, the actual animation, I, I believed mm. I was... On Pandora, yeah, hundred percent. In the first film, I didn't, I didn't, because there were elements that didn't work. In this, it looks absolutely unbelievable. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. so good. So, I mean, the diversity under the water of the of the ecosystem that they build up on the mm. water is absolutely better than the one in the forest. It is stunning. 
properly stunning. The hair when it's wet and when it's um, on the act on on the actors on the on the avatars themselves uh, looks absolutely phenomenal. The lighting that they've got is absolutely bob on, and whether they could have done that without them being underwater. Well, in thirteen years, you'd think that the tech has evolved that much. You know, it, it took them thirteen years to. They've had to use different cameras to capture these underwater scenes. What about the story, though? You say it, it's the same story, but you've got a different... It's the same story! <laughs> it's exactly the same story. This one's saved the whales, isn't it? It's first one was saved the planet, this one's saved the whales. They've just put different set pieces in. It is exactly the same story, with the same characters doing the same things. And then this... New character, Spider. Oh, dear God. Literally only there. I'm going to spoil it now for those at the end. If you, if you don't want spoilers, fuck <laughs> off. Stop listening now. But he's the son of the the bad guy in it. Um, Stephen Lang. Stephen, Stephen Lang's character. And it's he's only there for, real, realistically, he has no impact, really. He's only there for one reason, one reason only. So there's a scene at the end where Zoe Saldana has him by the th- by his kid at the throat and um, Stephen Lang has Zoe's kid at the throat. And it's just like, come on. Because the father-son thing, it just didn't work. He, he was meant to be like, it, um, he's been living with the Navi all, 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 all this time. And he was like, best mate, this is the kid Spider. You know, he, he's grown up on Pandora, didn't know his dad. And then within about... 20 seconds of film time of meeting his dad he switched and pretty much grassing them all up and t- taking them to where they all live and it's just like come on <laughs> that's just poor storytelling you might as well have just got anakin skywalker in there i was just about to say that suddenly switching <laughs> and just killing all the fucking padawans for no reason whatsoever it is that bad you have more writers on this one the story is by james cameron but there are a lot mm. of other writers you got Rick Jaffa, Amanda Silver, Josh um, Friedman. They're married. Who's that, sorry? Rick Jaffa and Amanda, uh, they are married. Okay, okay. Um, Fair enough. You got Josh Frieden, Friedman and Shane Solero as well. Salerno, sorry, the, apologies. And there's a. Between those five, they're responsible for a lot. I mean, Rick Jaffa, Jurassic World, your Planet of the Apes films, the new ones. All right, well, you did a good job on them. They're, they're, they're yeah. Good. Yeah, they're good. There's another one coming out. Uh, the Rock. It did the live action Mulan, which is good. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Not no. seen that. That that is good. Uh, Amanda Silver. Ooh, not as much. Uh, the hand that rocks the cradle. You remember that one? Wow, that's going back. Yeah, a, that's going back yeah. a bit. Bloody hell, that wasn't bad though. It's a good film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Josh Friedman, uh, Terminator Dark Fate. Okay, that that was one of the yeah. better sequels. And uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good. That so, was good. So, so he's got previous work with Cameron then. Yes. Yeah. He also did um, Spielberg's War of the Worlds. I don't mind that. I don't uh, mind that. Yeah. And then Shane Salerno, Armageddon. Um, he's also worked on Avatar and Titanic, and he did AVP Requiem. So he has he sort of like picked people who he's worked with before now. Whether or not well, they do, we've said this before, you do do that um, because you want to have people you trust. Yeah, whether or not he's picked them because he trusts them or he works well, uh, or he knows that right, I want this to happen and they'll just do it. But I've read that they're all responsible for the other films. 
So even though, you know, there's, there's James Cameron and those four on this particular film, he's given them, right, Amanda, you'll do the next film. You're going to do the next film. So they're like primarily showrunners of their own individual films, but they're all collectively, they're going to be across all of them. So I don't know who was responsible for this one, you know, but but one of those four was a showrunner well, for... The the actual screenplay was by G- so they've obviously took the story. James Cameron yes. came up with the basic story, I'm assuming, and then they they went away and adapted it, and then the screenplay was adapted from that by James Cameron, Rick Jaffer, and Amanda Silver. So he's took the kind of um, the partnership there and yeah. he's gone away and sculpted Avatar two. But it looks absolutely phenomenally amazing. Again, though, I I'm gonna I'm gonna call a few things out here. So the very first time I, I I've been slating 3D and. This is the first time I've seen 3D, and it looks properly. It looks amazing. Um, I'm, I'm not won over by it because I don't think it adds. I'm not being funny. I don't think the 3D adds anything to the story. I don't think it pulls me. It doesn't pull me in more. It really doesn't. It, it's still there's still a barrier there because I'm still wearing these glasses. I'm still aware. This is it. It's 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 the gimmick. It it's when sound came into movies. It opened up a whole new world. You know, it was wow. You can do this now. You can do this. You can, and then Dolby came into it, and then the surround sound came in. You know, it, it's the old thing of get get um, the helicopter going around the room. Yeah, yeah. It's whoa. It it actually adds atmosphere. It adds storytelling. You can use sound to create attention, create a, an emotion. This your 3D. I don't. I, it's it's yet to find its purpose for me, and I don't. T- to be honest, I don't think it will do because it's it, it's not. There's nothing you can do with it you, apart from make things look well, you pretty. Can, apparently, you can because because in Avatar Two, Way of Water, some of the first 3D you see is them pointing arrows at the screen uh, when, when they're about to pull the arrows and stuff like this. I mean, come on. We've gone past the 1950s 3D. Well, Friday the 13th 3D did that in the in the 80s. <laughs> it is the worst use of 3D. That is just come on. It's the first thing. One of the first things you see is the arrows kind of being pointed right at the screen. We've moved past that. Come on, and he does get past that. Like I said, because the 3D later on looks absolutely amazing. But again, some of the story is just again, it's on the nose. Um, I did like the. The kids' side, his family, the the kids' side, because the children in the new, um, the new tribe, the seafaring tribe, kids can be cruel, and the kids in this are fucking cruel. It's, there's there's physical differences between the two tribes. The seafaring tribe, they've got stronger tails because they they're underwater, they're swimming, whereas the the tree faring tribe. Their tails, it's it's not they're not as muscular, but mm. they they swing around trees. Yet yeah, the, the the seafarer they they're swimmers, and straight away the kids pick up on that, you know. And yeah, I've I've got here that the the kid side of it is is pretty. Let's get rid of Spider, but because he's pointless. But yeah. um, the kid side of it and the interaction with the kid side of it, I I, I thought was quite quite well done it steps away a little bit from james i'm um, sorry from james cameron from sam worthington's character a little bit and it goes more it's more the kids story mm. um now you, you've, you've got a couple of other people in there as well i'm going to qu- quickly call out um kate winslet 
is in here as well. Um, Cliff Curtis, Joel David Moore, Chichi Powder, or Cheech Powder, I should say, and Edie Falco as well. Edie Falco's in it um, yeah. as the general, um, as the baddie general. Really great part for her as well. Quite a strong character. Jermaine Clement as well, because he, he keeps cropping up. But um, Stephen Lang, Stephen Lang comes back, and this is not well. I've already ruined it. But um, Stephen Stephen Lang comes back. Um, yeah, so he's not dead in the first film. Surprise! He's back, yeah, but you find out quite quickly. But it, it's his avatar. He, he comes back as an avatar, and yeah. um, obviously it's his consciousness that. So yeah, they've oh, again clunky dialogue explaining the consciousness thing and just flashing the pan, move past it, move on. Yeah, because it's bullshit. Because you just wanted him back essentially. And yet again, at the end of the film. I'm going to spoil it again. If the third film's like the first two, people are going to start calling you out, Mr. James Cameron. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. But the first, the, the second film's got a higher rating on, um, if, if you want to believe the tomatoes, 92 for the audience score. They loved it. Yeah, I mean, it looks, it, it does look fantastic. It's mm. the first film where I believe I am on that planet and I am looking at tall blue Smurfs. <laughs> the, the critics liked it less, so 76%. Where the critics like the first one, eighty-two percent, and it was eighty-two, eighty-two in the first one from the Rotten mm. Tomatoes, but um, seventy-six, ninety-two um, for the second one. So the audience are, are loving it more now. There was a, a young, a, a young girl sat a couple of seats away from me watching it, and she was really invested in a lot of it. She was mm. bored in other parts of it. I could see she was bored. I kept kind of glancing across her just to see how she was taking the film because it's. Three hours, ten minutes, Cameron. Yeah. Come on. Is, yeah. Cut an hour off that. You're showing off with your tech. Amazing as it is, it, it you could have cut an hour out of it easily. Or you could actually cut the film in half, is what you could have done. Instead of having all that clunky exposition bullshit at the beginning, you could have actually done another film and kind of melded it into, the second, into, mm. into this film. But the tech looks amazing in this as well. So it's not just the ecosystem, not just the kind of biological life forms, but the actual tech, all the gunships and all the rest of it. And where yeah. we had, where we had yeah. the big flying gunship, we have the big floating gunship in this one. Call out to uh, your cinematographer, Russell Carpenter, on this. I mean, he's... He's done a lot. I mean, he, he has done a lot with Cameron. He has. Um, so that's probably why he picked me. He did True Lies, Titanic, and your Terminator 2 3D ride. He did that as well. Um, Low Mower Man, Ant-Man. did Ant-Man. Um, yeah, he did Hard- the original one, yeah. And Return of Xander Cage, yeah, from the... Um, yeah, Fast and Hard Fury. Target. Uh, Critters 2. <laughs> You always have to go about the eighties, don't do. you? So he's done well here. He, 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 do, he well. does a mix. He he does do a mix of like big action movies and quite smaller movies, which is good. Which is what you want to do, yeah. Which, which is, is what good. you want to do. Yeah, he's got the breadth and the depth, which is what you want, especially when you're dealing with water. Exactly. And speaking of water, so it, it, in this obviously save the whales and all the rest of it. So we have these tree dwelling Smurfs coming to the coming to live by the sea. Um, and then suddenly, out of the blue, can, one of them can speak to whales. He gets saved by a whale and then is able to speak to it in a completely different language, having not been there before. Now, the, the other um, Smurfs that live by the sea, they can speak to the whales. But one of them, who's never seen these whales before, suddenly is able to speak to whales. And I just find, are you fucking kidding me? I actually wrote it. Suddenly speaking <laughs> to a, a whale, I underlined it. Give me a break. But the cinematography, going back to that, yeah, uh, I'm jumping around it a little bit. But um, the cinematography, yeah, was great. Even the shaky cam stuff and 
Um, yeah, it, it was very, very, very well done. So yeah, a big shout out to Russell Carpenter there, um, as director of photography. He did, he, he did a great job visualizing Cameron's world as such. But there are massive parts of this which are just essentially the abyss crossed with Titanic. When the when the big gunship finally sinks. It was just Titanic and the Abyss all over again, essentially. He has got this fascination with bloody water, Cameron. And there was even a bit where I think they say, stay together, stay together. And I I genuinely expected them to say, stay together, Jack. (laughs) I genuinely did. I was like, oh, dear God. For me, yeah, it was, I must say, I, I I am now invested. I want to see how this plays out. I want to see where it goes next. I mean, because you've got the trees, you've got the water. What? Where's he going to go next? Well, they want, I am, they're saying that they're going to stay with the water for now. Well, then you got the desert. Ooh, that'll be exciting. Sandworms. Let, let's just let's riff, let's riff on um, sandworms, and on hopefully June. there won't be spice there with them to go, to go with them. Or, or maybe you're going to get Fred Ward back and Kevin Bacon <laughs> and deal with them. Um, who knows? But, yeah, oh, but what, I, what else you got? Are then you, oh, I don't know. It's God knows where we're going to go next. I am invested. I want to see where it goes because he's he's invented his own franchise. Even though he's he he's borrowed a lot of it from uh, Pocahontas and Ferngully. But it's his own. It's it's his own little world that he's invented. You know, that's, little uh, world. <laughs> I'm sure you'll, you'll love that. You know, um, it's generated billions of, of fucking well, this, dollars. You know. Well, let's be honest. This was the this was the sequel nobody wanted or nobody asked for. But as a spectacle, as a cinematic, ninety two percent of the audience who've seen it though, it's ninety two percent. You know, so. Yeah, as a cinematic spectacle, it is amazing. It looks phenomenal. It's too long by far. The the dialogue and the story are clunky in places, but it is a spectacle. The man can direct an action sequence, and he's up there with the best, if not the best, I'd say, at directing an action sequence. He knows his Mm. shit. He really does does. know what he's doing when it comes to that sort of stuff. Because, I mean... I'm saying it was like Titanic and Avatar, but that's that's no bad. I'm not a massive fan of Titanic, but Avatar, um, sorry, Abyss, sorry, um, and Titanic. The Abyss is a phenomenal film, and again, it's really, really well visualized. Although most of that is not CGI, um, that was all all created. Where most of this, I'm assuming, is CGI with. Um, physical elements being introduced i haven't seen the making of it or anything online i haven't looked up that if i'm honest um the one thing that kind of the shite song at the end you know when the credit after the the credits go up i'm sorry it wasn't very good at all and it didn't really suit it just suddenly came out of nowhere and you just think why just just bring back the bloody music weekend yeah just bring back the music. You don't need these shite pop songs just sticking them on the end. If it was a song full, if it was a movie full of songs, that's, that's a different matter altogether. Stick a bloody song over the end. But in this case, it's absolutely pointless. And lyrics, who gives a shit? Half, half, the, audience, <laughs> half the audience have bloody walked out by that point. So you know, no one's listening to your fucking song anyway. So just stick some music over you the end. You can't say that. I fucking can. Um, just stick some music over the end, and then we'll hear it properly on the soundtrack later on when we listen back to it. Um, because the Blade Runner soundtrack, the second one by Hans Zimmer, or partially by Hans Zimmer, that they put some of the songs that are used within the film in it. So, um, you know, the... The Frank Sinatra song and stuff like that. All right, but when yeah. I'm listening to a, an orchestral soundtrack, 
as good as old Frank is, I don't want him popping up in the middle of my enjoying <laughs> pleasure. So I remove them. I remove them from the soundtrack. Because I could do that now because it's digital. You can't do that on a bloody um, record player, can you? I can remove I'm removing them out of the soundtrack. So I take them out anyway and just listen to it as a as a orchestral piece. <laughs> or, or, or what you could do, stick them at the end. Don't stick them in the middle. Stick them at the end. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, yeah. so Avatar, the first one, it was all right. Better better in 2D than 3D, but that's because the 3D didn't yeah, work in that uh, film. For me, it was... I liked it. I must admit, I liked it. The spectacle, phenomenal, because we've not seen nothing like that before. You know, the, the interacting of... We all knew the height. We, we all knew it was motion capture, but the, the next level of motion capture, and you're watching it, and you, you're just visualising... The rig on their heads and the, the suits that they've had to wear and okay, here's you know. the thing, right? Here's the thing. I, I I've seen this in a, in a couple of behind. I, I watch as we, I think I think we've said before. We watch a lot of behind the scenes stuff, and you know the the actors went through probably hell on this film on in the second one, the way of water specifically, mm. um, because yeah, yeah the, in the forest one they had to wear all the rigs and the spots and all all, all the rest mm. of it and what have you. But in the second one, you said it was filmed underwater, so they had to learn to hold their breath. They had to do all of this sort of stuff, and they had to act underwater and and do all of the, all of this. Now that's fine and dandy, and that's what the director said. And the actor said, "Oh yeah, you can see my my work on film." But then I've watched a lot of behind the scenes footage um, and behind the scenes when it's talking to the animators themselves, and this happened. If you there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff on um, Lord of the Rings. But it's not just Lord of the Rings. But I'm going to call out Lord of the Rings because I can't remember the other film, the other couple of films that I'm referring to, if I'm honest, because I've seen a lot. Um, where the animators said, "Yeah, we just we just scrapped their performance and we just rebuilt it from scratch anyway." So you know, why bother? Yeah. Now, why bother? Now that's that's controversial. That's controversial. You're heading now towards dangerous ground. Now, now I'm not coming down on one side or the other. I'm playing devil's advocate here, mm. but the. If 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 they're scrapping now, there are clearly there are parts where you can see, especially if you're talking about Lord of the Rings, you can see circuses and your circuses um, performance as Gollum. But there are specific areas where it was scrapped and they just created it from scratch anyway. They they created mm. the performance in the editing suite on the animator's pen essentially, yeah. not from the not from the actual live action performances. Dangerous ground. Dangerous and how much ground. of that is the same in this? I wonder. I would I would honestly hope not. Because what 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 we're paying for is the actor's performance. We're paying to see Kate Winslet perform. We're paying to see Sigourney Weaver. We're paying to see the talent on the screen. Aren't we paying to see the animator's um, creativity? Because we know we know for a fact that people working in in the effects business, if you want to become a, an animator or three D animator or whatever you want to call them these days, they are criminally underpaid for the amount of work that they have to produce yes, in a ridiculous I amount guess. of time. But the what that's what we're paying. I mean, if if you were to if you were to headline Avatar with I don't know um, Dennis Muren, uh, John Gator, no one to go see it because no one knows who these people are. Kate Winslet, Sigourney Weaver. Oh, I know who they are because that's what you—that's what you're gonna see. Despite the fact that I know Dennis Buren wasn't involved in, and John Gate, you know, they weren't the effects guys in this. But to say that someone on a on on a tablet dragged a few pointers around to recreate a scene—that's uh, 
and we are going way off piece now. <laughs> this is a podcast in itself. This. So, okay. Note it down. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I brought it. I wasn't going to bring this up again because I, I, I was going to bring this up afterwards. I'd talk about, say, we could do this as a podcast. But um, you brought it up. So I, I'm the amount of money that they must spend to have to create the rigs and do all the stuff underwater when is it needed? What a, what what an absolute waste of criminal waste of money! It costs millions, multiple hundreds of millions of pounds to create these films, and the amount of waste money is wasted on films is ridiculous. Just to keep people in jobs and to keep the industry going. Mm. But for now, it's yes, I think it is. For now, you still need the people, you still need the actors because right now. They, they they still cannot recreate. They just can't do it. They can't re- recreate a performance without having something to base it on. And at the moment, you've got actors, and that's their job. So I will come down firmly on, yes, you need the talent right now. Okay. On that piece of sliced fried gold, we'll end it right there. Oh, I've got some... Oh, you know, Richie's... Oh, there's a fucking shot. Yep. South Park summed it up the best. Gone. Yep. James Cameron doesn't do what James Cameron does for James Cameron. James Cameron does what James Cameron does because James Cameron is James Cameron. And that's it. And on that piece of slide fried gold, <laughs> we will end it right there. Thank you, Richie. So if you fancy a bit more diabolical film banter, then like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast, and we'll catch you on the next episode. And also, if you like us talking bollocks about films and going off-piste, off-topic, into the weeds, you may even like to give us a review. If you want to get something off your chest... Hacking our way back. <laughs> try to get back on point. You could even send us a question, and we might even answer it on the show. You can find us on your local friendly neighbourhood podcast app and on all the interwebs. Just search for the Diabolical Film Show. And I do, and I do. just before you say goodbye, and I do urge people to just hit us up. I don't know. Hit us up on Instagram, hit us up on Facebook, whatever, and just send us some questions. Send us a film that you, you want us to review or a topic that you want us to cover. We're more than happy to do it. We'll engage on there. We're quite social people. So, yeah, do it. Please do. <laughs> Please. So it leaves it for me to say. That, that sounds like we're fucking begging. Ah, fuck you all. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey Kettle, fuck you, football. <laughs> <laughs> so at least you mean to say thanks for listening and catch you later. And for me, till next time, tatty bye. <laughs>